So the website is directed through three main channels to get people to contact us. So the first one is the, the phone number. So you just pick up the phone and call whenever you want. The second one is the free strategy sessions, which is basically you click on the link, enter your details and try and book a time on an online calendar. And the last one is the, the lead magnet. So download the ebook or the report. You are listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 250 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. Imagine you walk down the street looking for a place to get a coffee. You see a place that says cafe and so you enter, but... There is no counter. There are boxes stacked into a pile, some posters on the wall, with some small prints and flyers that say coffee, some chairs. It smells like coffee, but you can't work out what this place is actually about and what they sell. You can't see any point in staying and so you leave. Your website, without a clear lead funnel, is like this cafe. People arriving at your website have no idea what your business is about. They can't work it out and they don't know what you actually sell. You don't give them a reason to stay and so they leave. A lead funnel is the journey your potential clients, your leads, take from first becoming aware of you to eventually engaging you as their accountant. It is taking your leads by the hand and guiding them. Nathan Watt of Watson & Watt in Brisbane has grown his accounting practice from zero to 100 client groups within less than three years, thanks to a well-designed lead funnel. And so in this episode, Nathan will tell you how he did it. And sorry, one other comment before we start. We mentioned Nathan's digital agency called King Kong a few times, but of course, this is not meant to be an endorsement of King Kong. The aim is to show you where Nathan is getting help and for what, and what he's doing himself and how. So here's Nathan Watt. When I started the business, I did a lot of YouTube learning, I suppose, like deep dive into digital marketing because I knew that I had to understand it at least to some extent. So I went through a bunch of trials and, you know, one month paid and all that sort of stuff through digital marketer and a bunch of those things to understand how it all sort of worked together and it evolved from there. So the website I've got at the moment is about 12 months old and that was done by King Kong. So before that, I had a different website that I played with and then I wasn't really happy with it. So yeah, I found them probably six months after I started the business. I was looking, I had a company doing the website and the SEO and I was looking for someone to help me with Facebook advertising because I really didn't understand it at all or how to do it. And my philosophy going into the business was that I wanted to pay experts to do their thing and, and get it done properly. So I looked around for different Facebook advertising companies and they were one that came up through their own marketing initiatives. So I went, you know, through their their pipeline and their funnels. And what really stood out to me about them was that they were very good at marketing themselves. So it was, if they're that good at marketing themselves, then, you know, they, they can definitely market my business. Whereas a lot of marketing companies I see, it's quite underwhelming that they can't 
or they don't market as well as I think they could for their clients. So they're probably doing themselves a disservice. So yeah, I found them through the internet and then went down the rabbit hole with them. Started out with, actually, I didn't start with Facebook advertising. They took me out of it and went into AdWords. And I did that for a little while, but I've stopped doing that. That now? I noticed because I wanted to actually see where your Google AdWords link to and I couldn't get you in any search results so I assume that maybe you don't do any search ads but you definitely do display ads do you know that mm. you do yeah, display yeah. Ads because I've been on your website and now whenever I go onto a different website I always see yep. your, your display ads so they are definitely working and they link back to your website but so at the moment you don't do search ads you just do display no. ads yeah search ads I, I tried for about two years and I could never get the ROI on them it just never made financial sense to keep it going The lead quality I found was low and the people were sort of non-committal as to joining or not joining. And it was just a really difficult process. So I decided to, to stop it and use the money for other channels. The uh, display ads, do they give you a good ROI? Yeah, they do because they're really cost effective. So that's just done through, that's just remarketing. It's only being displayed to people who have already been to our website in the last 90 days. So it's not cold traffic or anything like that. So it has to have already been to our website and then From there, we remarket to try and get them back. And so how do you get people onto your website for the first time? SEO is a big one and through Facebook paid advertising. So I don't run that all the time, but I do run it around the peak season. So I'm about to launch another campaign, hopefully this week, which will drive cold traffic and lookalike audiences from current customers, people in the CRM, all that sort of stuff. Get them to the website and then you can remarket back through Facebook and, and through Google across pretty much the entire internet with those two companies. Do you do Facebook advertising through King Kong or do you do that on your own? I do it on my own. Wow, I'm quite impressed. Facebook advertising is not easy because it's not just the words. You also need to have good visuals. You need to also have a good photo, etc. So that's not easy. Do you design that? So for example, you take a free stock photo, for example, from Unsplash, and then mm. you design it in Canva or so, and then you put it into Facebook with yes. text? Exactly. It. Yep. And you get the photo from Unsplash or from somewhere else? No, Unsplash. Yep. Okay. I found I found them, them to be the the highest quality images. Um, I've used a few others and they were just terrible. Um, yes. So that's that's the one I've landed on. I see. And then you actually also use Canva. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so it's all funny. it's all it's all free up until this point. Um, yes. It costs me time, but until then, it's you know I'm not paying for for anything. And once you've got it set up, you can pretty much run the same ads over and over because you're always running to cold traffic. So, yeah, it's it's got a pretty good ROI from that perspective. How do you target it? I assume do you target locally to Newstead, or do you target it by demographic or interest? Do you targeted based on people who are interested in small business? How do you target it? All of the above. So I start out with geographical areas. So I do sort of Southeast Queensland, Northern New South Wales is one area, and then I'll do Sydney and Melbourne. So I'll have different campaigns for each of those cities so I can turn them on and off as needed. And then from there, I drill down to demographics, so age range, and then look at interests and target that way. So it's a bit broader than Newstead, but it it's not only interested in small business, but it's interested in other things that, you know, if they're interested in Gary Vaynerchuk, they might be interested in business. So I'm going pretty wide with that cold traffic campaign. And then once you've got them clicking on that or viewing the video or whatever the, the ad is, once they've interacted with it, you can then target them again to get more specific audience. 
So that cold traffic one is really casting a fairly wide net of people who may be interested or running a small business. And then it's about getting them to take an action. So if they take an action, then they're somewhat interested in what I do. And then I can have a different ad or offer to those people who have taken an action, whether it's not actually onto our website. So it might be they've watched 30 seconds of a video that I put up or something like that, or they've liked the picture, then you can take them down further into that funnel of trying to get them to the website or trying to get them to take up a free phone call or whatever it is. In the busy season, how much would you spend on Facebook per week or per month? Is it $10, $20 or is it $100, $200 or is it $1,000, thousands. You're probably looking at two to 3000 over these next couple of months each month. Do you know how, roughly how many inquiries you get from those? Or, or it, I guess the first step is how many you get onto your website from those. Because that's the first step, isn't it? From Facebook, the, the next step is to get them onto your website, correct? Yes. Yes. So you want you to get them to the learning. I can have a look. I'll have a look at last year's because I haven't started this year's. So June 19 to July 19, so it's last year, there was 150,000 impressions. We reached 65,000 people. It cost just under $4,000. Um, for that two months. And so 153,000 impressions means that 153,000 people saw this in their Facebook feed. No, so 65,000 people saw it. Um, yes. They just saw it multiple times. So the impression is how many times was it seen? So you might see it two or three times. And then can you see from your analytics how many people landed on your website coming from yeah, Facebook I'm just, during yeah. those two months? So we had 1,900 uh, clicks from the ad into which went down to a landing page. So that means you roughly paid $2 per lead, $2 per person who came to your landing page yep. from Facebook. Two more questions and one comment. You mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk, and I actually think that is a very good search term or a very good key term for you. Because I can imagine that people who follow Gary Vaynerchuk, they will also like the unique voice of your newsletters and website mm. because it's quite dynamic, modern, ambitious. Yeah. I really think that is a good key term for you. Two questions. The first one is with the website that King Kong designed for you, do you have access to the back end? So can you add a new blog post? Can you go yes. in and edit a blog post, etc.? Yep. Yep. So I've got full control over the website. So I regularly oh, okay. go in. I do all the, the maintenance, the updates and all that sort of stuff. And they do what they do on their end. Yeah. Where did you find this unique voice of your of your newsletters and website, etc.? Did King Kong help you with developing that? No. So that was that was my initiative from early on in the business. I think I started that about three months into the business. And I knew that people don't want to read anything about accounting and tax. Like the last thing you want to get is an email from your accountant saying, you know, here's the latest tax update or section 93 has changed, like who cares? So you have to think of a way to actually stay in touch with people that they're going to read it and not ram things down their throat to try and sell them stuff all the time. So it just came out of me wanting to, you know, be front of mind um, when people wanted an accountant or that sort of thing. So the unique voice, I suppose, that's just that's just me, just the way I see the world and the internal monologue, I suppose, and it's just been put down on on paper and it's, it's kind of evolved from there. So now there's a little bit of pressure to keep them going and make them as entertaining as possible. So some months I think I, I hit it and the other months I've probably not my best one but you know 
they can't all be winners. arriving at your website there are basically three channels that are basically all lead to the ultimate goal and i assume the ultimate goal is basically to have a direct phone call between you and this new potential client and yep. so when people arrive from facebook or from display aids onto your website they basically have three options they can directly call you or they can apply for a free strategy session mm -hmm. and then it basically also ends in a free phone call with you Yep. And, or they can apply for a free report. And the report is called Four Telltale Signs. Your current accounting is murdering your money. <laughs> and I read that it was quite interesting because I wanted to yep. see whether I'm murdering any of my clients' money. Yep. And it was good. It, I actually learned something. The first point was that you shouldn't just do the bare minimum. You should really go out of your way and find grants and government funding and look really for possibilities and angles that can help your clients creative tax relief, etc. The second point was explain the financials in the way that your client understands it. The third point was very good. And that is organization, starting with a, a desk free of clutter, files labeled, but then of course, also goes through to processes, everything really well organized, etc. Because of course, you're very right. If you're not organized, then there's just too much breeding ground for mistakes. If you're not organized, you very easily mm -hmm forget something and yep. hence cost your client money and then the last one is understand your client's business which i thought was also a very good point so this is the free report mm. that your clients then get and of course the aim always also with this free report i assume is aim for this phone call and so it starts with yep. the free report and then an email campaign starts mm. and then of course from the third email on Every email, again, offers a free strategy session. Hopefully, that also culminates in the phone call. So they're basically three channels, and they all aim at a phone call with some detours along the way. But it's a very clear channel. Yeah, so there's a different, there's a couple of different ways that it comes through. So there's three different channels when you go through that CRM, yeah. um, depending on which page you came from. So the website's is directed through three main channels to get people to contact us. So the first one is the, the phone number. So you just pick up the phone and call whenever you want. And you'll see on the website that the phone number is partially hidden and that's a King Kong thing so they can track phone calls. It's a, it's a proxy for phone calls. So people only click on it if they want the number is the theory. So it gives you an idea of how many people are actually converting on your website. Otherwise you don't really have any way to, to manage that automatically. The second one is the free strategy sessions, which is basically you click on the link, enter your details and try and book a time on an online calendar for 30 minutes where we you know, go through a consulting session basically about a problem they might have. And the last one is the, the lead magnet. So download the ebook or the report, four ways, your four telltale signs, your accountant's murdering your money. That title didn't come from me, but um, when I saw it, I thought we'll give that a go. And the idea of that is obviously they're not quite ready to talk to anybody yet but we want to get their details so that we can keep nurturing them through the sequence. So they get, they get the report, uh, we've got their email address. We can then start sending them further emails, which we do through Infusionsoft. And depending on which page they came through and some of the, the actions they take in that email sequence, they basically get three different channels within that. So there's a general sequence, a tax concern sequence and a consulting sequence. So uh, I think it's the second email I send out. It says, hey, what's your biggest problem currently? 
is it tax or reducing your tax or growing your business? And hopefully they click on one or the other. If they do, I send them a checklist on tax or consulting, and then they go into a different sequence. So I know when we pick up the phone, what it's going to be mostly about. And it also keeps them engaged. So rather than just getting emails where they don't have to do anything, if I can get people who actually take an action on that email, I know they're more involved in the process and they're more likely to book a phone call down the track. So the bonus checklists get people to be engaged in the process. So they sort of, you know, if they click on something, they're more involved and they're more likely to take an action, like book a phone call. They then go through, so if reducing their tax is their main concern, they then get the tax sequence, um, which is more focused around how we can help reduce their tax. And if they click the consulting, grow my business, then they get a, a sequence that's more around how to grow your business. But it's pretty much the first couple of ones. So you mentioned there the um, the nine-step strategy. So it's all built from that, just that the focus changes a little bit in those different sequences. Actually, Nathan, I didn't click on either link. Yeah. So when people don't click on either link, do they then get the accounting and tax sequence or the business consulting sequence or something different? Something different. It's basically a combination of the both of the two. Okay. So it starts out, it's the same thing. It's the introduction to the nine-step strategy and then it goes through what foundations are um, and then, you know, the design and then the implement, all the, yeah, the implement section. So it's a bit of a hybrid. So you basically have three sequences, one for mm -hmm. accounting and tax, one for business consulting and one for people who didn't click. How yep. many people don't click or how many people do click? Good question. Probably 50% don't click and 50% do. But that's, that's quite high. I, 50%, yeah. I think it's quite high. You need to tell me what the other yeah. sequences look like because I only know the sequence for the people who didn't click. Yeah, so it's it's basically the same thing. So you'll get exactly the same amount of emails. It's just the, the content of each of those emails is slightly different. So in the general sequence, each sequence starts with what's the, the introduction to our you know, a nine-step strategy, what it is, what's it, what it's all about. So everyone gets that same email. And then email two is about foundations. In the general sequence, it's the structures that are costing you money and the four common mistakes in the, and that's the same for the tax one. In the consulting one, it goes into foundations, but it doesn't really talk about the common mistakes. Then in email three, it talks about sales and just starts on that journey. So it's a slightly different pattern to the emails, but they're pretty much the same content. So I'm just re recycling the same stuff in a different, different way. And then the last email is always just do it. Seven habits of highly effective people and just yep. F do it. Yeah, that's it. And it's all, all got the same end goal is they've actually booked a phone call or they haven't. Yep. Okay, so after this email, the active campaigning comes to an end and then they just mm. go back to the general newsletter. Correct. Yep. And then the general newsletter always has a short video in it, usually something funny like cats or Pauline Hansen imitations or something similar. And then your takes on what's happening in the world. Yes. Yep. That's it. It's the same format. So it's evolved over the last couple of years. I used to have some more stuff in there, but it's pretty much the same thing. So it's just uh, what's happening, what's happened in the last month and just my view on it and how that might affect people in business or you know, general society, really. Where do you get most of your your clients from? Is it still word of mouth or the the pipeline you just described? So it's a combination. So referrals, I'm just bringing up the lead source report. The referrals, I split into two. So referrals from current clients and referrals from customers, uh, sorry, from contacts. So they're numbers one and two. So referrals from customer are number one. Referral from contact is number two, but they're pretty much the same amount. 
The next one down is actually from Queensland government has a, a process called Mentoring for Growth, where businesses can get free consulting advice or free advice about their business from a range of mentors. Um, and I signed up to that a few years ago as one of the mentors. So I've picked up a number of clients out of there. So that's been quite good. How many people have you helped through this program? And then how many have become a client of you? Probably be two dozen or so, I think I've been to. So I usually do ones that are back to back, the days that are, you know, have a couple of panels in the same day. So I probably helped 24, 24, something like that. Yeah, over the last couple of years. And I think I've got about four clients out of it. Yeah, so SEO is probably the, is the fourth on my lead source. So it's number four. And then paid advertising, so AdWords, search, um, and that ads. sort of stuff. Yeah. Display yeah. ads and Facebook. Yes. Yeah. And if you had to put a percentage on it, would referral and contact be 50, 60, 70%? And then free advice probably would be quite at the bottom percentage wise, wouldn't it? And then SEO, maybe 20% and or SEO 10% and then display ads and Facebook, another 20%. Let me just add it up. I'm not sure that that adds up to 100. <laughs> <laughs> so if you think of your clients over the past few years, mm. what percentage would you add per year less attrition? Would you stay relatively stable or in, in client, client numbers? Yeah, or grow by 5 or 10% every year? or No, it's been more than that. So last year, our revenue grew. Year to date, our revenue has grown 70%. Wow. Uh, the, year, the year before that was 100%. Um, wow. but, you know, That's we were, huge. We were a startup business, so we didn't have a very high base to start from. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been mm. really good. Yeah. And when, when you say we, it's, it's you and then your staff, or do you have other partners in the business? My wife is the Watson and Watson and what? Oh, I see. Okay. Um, yeah. So referrals from customers are 23%. Referrals from contacts are 22%. So there's 45. Mentoring for growth is 21%. Organic is 18 And then paid is 14 So SEO brings you 18%, but it's free because you don't run any search ads. So SEO is free 18%. Well, I've been paying King Kong, so it's not free, but it will be going forward. So. Oh, <laughs> yes. I see. Yeah. Okay. So net, and, like I, and so I, what I, does King Kong do for your SEO? Because you don't run any search ads, so they just review your blog posts for SEO so they, key terms or what do they do? No, so they set up the structure of the website and then they determined the keywords that would go after initially. So there's a range of keywords they wrote content for. So on the site, you'll only see, you know, four or five pages through the, the menu, but there's about 100 pages behind that. So if you search small business consultant, um, the page that comes up is actually whatsmanwhat.com.au forward slash small business consultant, which you can't find through the menu on the website. So they've written all the content for that and they set up that site structure for that sort of stuff. Then they made, they updated all the links in the back end to make sure that they were all, you know, had the H1 tags, H2 tags, all that sort of stuff from a technical point done. And then they went through and tried to get back backlinks to the site. So to all the online directories and places like that, because SEO is basically a function of two things. One is valuable content. And then the second one is backlinks, which is a vote from another website to say, hey, check this out. This is a, a good one. So you need those two to have successful SEO. So they set all that sort of stuff up for me to start with. Having said that, I've just... They've been doing that for about two and a half years now. And 
I'm going to take that over from July next year because I think it's at a stage where I don't need an external person to, to help me with it anymore. I've learned enough from it and I know what I'm doing that I can manage it for, my, for myself. But, yeah, I'll, I'll see, see how it goes. I might get it wrong and need someone again. But that's yeah. interesting. So there are about 100 pages that you can't actually see on your website that don't link from your website yeah. to those pages. They're basically a one-way street. They come up for a Google search mm. and then somebody lands on that page and then they get directed to the normal content of your page, but they can't go back to the original page. Oh, they can. So if you... So if you're looking for an accountant in Brisbane, there'll be, you know, watsonandwhat.com.au forward slash Brisbane accountant or something. And the text on that page is similar. So it's got the same offers as like the, the tax book of free session CTA, but the text within that copy on that page is slightly different to everything else. So it's the keywords are targeted to, to come up accountant. Yeah, Brisbane accountant. in Brisbane. Yeah. So it's more targeted to those specific search terms. So you can still, once you're on that page, you can still go back to the home page and everywhere else. It's just that there's no menu option on the on the website to actually go to that page. Once they go back to your website and don't come through this original page anymore, they mm. still get the same content. It's just that the the text is now slightly different and no longer focuses on the keyword Brisbane accountant, but just yeah. focuses on the normal content. Yeah. So the, the pages you'll see if you go to the website, the tax and accounting, all that sort of stuff, they're all the generic ones. And then if you were looking for accountant Gold Coast, there's a specific page for that with, you know, more content tailored around Gold Coast and those keywords. Do you do presentations at incubation offices where a lot of startups meet? I've done one for the University of Queensland the last couple of years. It was called Tax and Tacos. It was a basically an event for people coming into the workforce or early into the workforce and just understand their tax. So it's not really my target market, but I did my MBA at UQ, so it was a bit of giving back for them as well. So that's one session I did. I did another one for a client, a webinar a couple of weeks ago for a client on the latest stimulus packages for their client base. And I've got an invite to do one with Morgan Stanley for their clients on something. So they come up. I don't do them a lot, but I do do them. And you just and mentioned uh, your target market. I think your target market is small business. That yeah, also correct. Fighting, correct? Yep. Did you start out with this target market or did you work this out this time? It was always what I wanted to target. In the early days when you've got no clients and somebody wants their tax return done, you'll do it because you want the money. But getting better at saying no to that stuff now. And I've probably got a better idea of who my target market is than I did when I first started. So yes, I wanted small business, but I probably wasn't as strict on you know what that looked like. Um, and now I sort of know it's 18 to 45. You've been in business less than five years that sort of thing. So yeah, I know who, who I'm looking for. The startup market, I haven't gone after basically because most of them don't have any money. I know that sounds horrible, but a lot of those startup businesses, they need a lot of help with their run on the smell of an oily rag. And I, I just don't want to play in that, in that space. Yeah. It just hasn't worked for me at all. Welcome back. So a possible lead funnel for your leads, your potential clients that you have attracted to your website, your lead funnel for these can include a free report and then an email campaign that hopefully leads to a sign up for a free consultation and then a phone call. So have a look at your website and see whether there is a clear funnel call to actions that entice your leads to engage with you just a tiny bit, a first step. After the interview, I asked Nathan quite a few more questions, which I wanted to share with you. 
many staff? Yeah, so I have, well, it's myself and my wife, we're both accountants. And then there's also, we have a staff member in the Philippines. I see. And how did you engage the staff member in the Philippines directly or through TOA or through a through, different provider? Through TOA. Yeah. And how did that go with TOA? Yeah, really good. Yeah. Yes. How long have yes. you been with them? Uh, 12 months. And anything they did particularly well or anything that you weren't so happy about? I really like their approach to ITs, you know, and it might be the same with other providers, using practice protect and things like that, the way they could alleviate their security concerns, probably the selling point to it for me because I knew that I had to have that locked down so I could explain to my clients that um, there's no issues with this. So that was a that was a big selling point. Did you engage the full-time staff member in the Philippines already when you had more than enough work for one staff member, or did you engage them already quite early when you maybe had 20 or 30% and then you just bought the extra capacity so that you can grow? Because it can be quite a challenge to manage your capacity in line with your growth. Yeah, so I did it in advance. So I probably could have done the last year by myself or by ourselves without this person, but I would have been too busy to do everything else that I wanted to do in terms of marketing and, and things like that. So it was in anticipation of us continue, continue, continuing to grow because with accounting and tax clients, you might pick someone up now, but you don't actually get the work in until November. So there's a few of those clients I had this time last year that, I knew we're coming along in this financial year and I knew that if we keep growing, I'm going to need help to do it. So we did it in advance and I'll keep trying to do that in advance. And when they suggested candidates to you, mm. but was your candidate among those straight away or did you have to knock them all back and ask for a new search? Yeah, we had to. I think I came back for a new search. Um, I signed somebody up and then they ended up not coming on board. They moved to Singapore or something not long before they were supposed to start. So we had to start again. So that was a bit, of a bit of a pain. Actually, one quick question that I forgot to ask you. Since you focus on small business, payroll and SG, et cetera, probably is a big part of your work, correct? No, I don't get involved with payroll very much. I, yeah, I think it's too complicated. There's too much risk for me to, for us to take it on. It's only if it's people are on salaries or, you know, simple awards or something like that, we might do it as part of that. But we don't do the full range of bookkeeping. So we'll do... Yeah, that that lower end that people could probably do it themselves but don't want to. Companies that pay the director a wage, for example. Yeah, or they might might have two or three staff. Yeah, very straightforward. Just do it as part of that sort of monthly bookkeeping. So, you know, our bookkeeping, we don't do yeah, payroll, we don't do debtors or creditors, it's basically cash bookkeeping for people who can't be bothered to do it themselves. If they need more a proper bookkeeper, then I'll get I'll refer them on to someone who actually specialises in it. But then was cash flow boost and JobKeeper still a big topic for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Because you yep. had all the directors as employees, et cetera. Did you have a lot of clients who missed out on the cash flow boost because they weren't registered for pay as you go withholding on the 12th of March? Not a lot. My view has always been to pay people a wage for the job they do and then you pay a dividend you know, for the profits they make. Um, yeah. So I always try and get the directors to actually take something, whether that be $20,000 because it's tax-free, even if you're sort of running at a loss, you may as well pay yourself 20 grand because you create a loss in the company, which you can use later on, and it doesn't cost you any tax. So most of my clients were on that system to start with anyway. There's a few, obviously, who don't agree with me, but yeah, they missed out. You mentioned Infusionsoft before, and you mentioned Practice Protect. So you, yep. are you on zero? Yep. 
Yep, okay. absolutely. So yep. you have Practice Protect to work with your staff member in the Philippines through TOA. Mm -hmm. Then you have Zero. What else do you have linking into Zero? So we use the Zero Zero tax. I don't use Zero Practice Manager because I don't need the timesheeting and all the other advanced stuff in there. So Zero Zero tax, Zero work papers, and then we use Carbon for workflow management and Dropbox for business for document management, Infusionsoft for the CRM. And I use BGL for Simple Fund and CAS and HubDoc, obviously, through through Zero as well. That's pretty much the suite. And what do you use Zero work papers for? It's basically to put all the work papers in one spot. So we, I mean, they're not the best work papers in the world, but they, what I like about it is that my staff member in the Philippines can do all the work in there, attach all the supporting documents, and then I have to go through and, you know, tick, it's completed and it's approved. So there's this audit trail there that have actually looked at something and we can export that then into a zip file and save it into Dropbox for reference later on. And if we have a QA re review from Chartered Accountants, you know, here's our work paper file. It's all complete with all the source documents together in a zip file. So it's easy mm. to, to show that. This sounds very naive, but can you give me a practical example of what you actually need work papers for? You would need a work paper to calculate the um, FPT portion of a company yep. car, for example? Yeah, but even um, the basic stuff. So the zero work papers import the data from zero. So you bring through your balance sheet and your profit and loss. And then, you know, we attach to the bank reconciliation item. So where's the bank rec from zero? The bank statement from the client's bank account. So there's our work papers that the bank account reconciles. We'll have the accounts receivable summary. So have a look at that. Is anything you know really old that needs to be written off? Same with the accounts payable. GST work paper, we go through that. You know, what was the bat what's the June BAS adjustments for debtors and creditors, GST on debtors and creditors, all that sort of stuff. So it's all work papered out and all of our calculations are in there to support our numbers. I imagine in carbon you list all the work steps. Yes, yeah, so you set up the template for the type of job. So if you're doing a BAS, you can set up the template for that. So you'd have the steps that you want to set out for that job and you can customize those as much as you want. And then within that, you can allocate it to say a role. So you can say the accountant or junior accountant needs to do steps one, two, three, and then you would allocate you know, the team members to those. So it automatically do it when you set up the, the job saying, I'm giving it to these people and based on their, their roles in carbon, it'll give them the tasks to do. And then, so there's two parts or the three parts to carbon. One is the triage, which is basically, it's your inbox. It's a sync from your inbox. So you're supposed to go through that each day and then allocate, you know, to do items. So I got a job from somebody today to call the ATO about the cash flow boost. So I put that in my to do for today, or I got supporting work papers from somebody that needs to go into the job that I'm doing for them for end of year. Oh, wait, how do email and carbon work together? So, yeah, so carbon, the, the main part, the main part of carbon is a sync with your um, your email provider. So mine's Outlook, so it's Office 365. So my emails all go through to carbon. And from that, if there's an email from a client saying, hey, can you give me some advice on whether or not I should buy a car through the business, I can allocate that job to myself or to a staff member and a due date for that to be done. So I can say, okay, I'm going to get back to that to tomorrow. I can allocate it to myself the due date of tomorrow and then it comes up in tomorrow's to-do tasks. 
of my things to do for tomorrow. If it's a job, say somebody sends in there, hey, here's all my stuff to do my tax return. I can then just click a button to say create job or create work is what it's called. And then you would set up the, the job. So you say end of year 2019, allocate it to myself and the team. Um, and then it spits out all the tasks that need to be done on that job and our predetermined due dates for those tasks. So we have a 14 day turnaround that we try and stick to. So everything's based off that. And then it spits out all the to-do items. So you can look at your to-do in Carbon and it's, it has all the steps that you need to do on each different day for all the different jobs that you're currently working on. Yes, and Carbon doesn't integrate with Zero, correct? Or you no. have, you don't have it integrated with Zero? It doesn't integrate with Zero. Apparently, the founders of Carbon had a falling out with Zero. I believe they used to work there or something, and yeah, they don't. And then Dropbox is integrated with Carbon or is integrated with Zero, or does Dropbox stand alone? Stands alone. Yeah, it's just a document management okay. system. Yeah. And then Infusionsoft stands alone as well, correct? Yeah, it syncs to Zero. So whenever I create an invoice in Zero. Zapier pushes across that detail to Infusionsoft and creates what they call an order in Infusionsoft so that I can track the return on investment for our marketing spend. So where I get all those numbers from for the new customers and all that sort of stuff, that's all driven from invoices out of zero. And who built that Zapier for you from zero to Infusionsoft? Did you build that or did King Kong build that? No, I built that. Wow, I'm very impressed. Yeah, yeah. thanks. That's very impressive. And then BGL and CAS 360, they stand separate as well. Yeah, they sync with zero tax uh, database, so they push the contacts around. But yeah, they stand pretty much separate other than that. Oh, I see. So do you do you lodge through zero tax or do you lodge through BGL 360? I lodge through BGL for super funds. But if okay. somebody, so if I set up a new company through CAS, it'll put that detail into zero tax with all the directors oh, yeah. and shareholders and everything. Did you charge for JobKeeper and Cashflow Boost advice? I Yeah, I charged for JobKeeper. There wasn't much to do for Cashflow Boost. It was mostly just, you know, lodging your buzzers. So the JobKeeper, yeah, absolutely. And how much did you charge yep. for JobKeeper? Uh charged $200 for the initial enrollment, um, the eligibility and initial enrollment, and then we're charging a monthly fee. So if it's just one eligible business participant, it's $200 per month that we lodge it for. If there's staff involved, it's 250 plus GST each month. Welcome back. In the next episode, episode 251, Nathan Watt will talk about how much this marketing machine has cost him. The website, the landing pages, Infusionsoft. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.